Scripture is not discerned by opinion. You cannot rightly apply the Bible until you first rightly divide the Bible. We do not get to decide what the Bible means. We get to discover what the Bible means. Welcome to Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. I'm glad you joined me for this episode. Today I'm going to be discussing the importance of context. Or is that a context? To start off this episode, I want us to consider three questions when we're talking about context. What is it specifically? Why is it important? And thirdly, how do we discover the context? So as we enter into this subject, it's important that we have a definition. What exactly is context? A lot of people talk about it. They use the word context all the time. And there are a lot of times there it's not exactly a context. It's more of a con of the text. So how do we learn to determine what the context of a particular passage is? Well, that's what this study is about today. So what is it? The various aspects, parts, facts, circumstances, dynamics, influences, and details pertaining to and related to a passage or text that aid and facilitate a clear and accurate understanding of God's original, intended, and inherent meaning and message within the text. In other words, what God intends for us to understand from His Word. That's a little bit of an extended definition, but it's important that all of those details are in there. So I'd encourage you to kind of go over that and let it sink in a little bit, uh, all the different parts of that, that definition. So that tells us a little bit of what it is. Secondly, why is it important? Why is it important to understand the context? Context is absolutely critical to accurately understanding the Bible. You cannot accurately understand the Bible if we do not understand what the context is. That leads us to then... It is absolutely critical to applying the Bible correctly to our lives. We cannot apply the Bible correctly if we do not understand the Bible correctly, and context is critical to that understanding. And then thirdly, context is absolutely critical to avoiding misuse of the Bible. There's a lot of that that takes place because context is not observed. How do we discover what the context is? By studying the various aspects, parts, facts, circumstances, dynamics, influences, and details related specifically to a passage or text. Now, this is really going to be a condensed study or presentation on context. This could get into a series of different episodes dealing with context, and perhaps in the future I'll break this out a little bit more than this brief introduction to context. But I wanted to present these initial aspects of context for us to consider. Now, the next couple of slides we're going to be looking at are going to detail some of the the different aspects of what context entails. So first of all, there's the immediate context. That's the nearest preceding and following verses, words, phrases, people, events that are right around a particular passage that we're looking at. Now, for most people, they will look at pastors, people reading the Bible, studying the Bible, Bible teachers, small group leaders, whatever it might be. They go into that aspect oftentimes But that's pretty much where it stops, is in that immediate context. And while that is critically important, it doesn't end there. 
Contextual study actually goes way beyond just the immediate verses preceding and following the passage that you're looking at, whether it's a particular word, a sentence, a paragraph, a verse, whatever it might be. Um, it's important to see that, but it goes beyond that. Another consideration in, a, in studying context is uh, the linguistic aspect. That's the language, phrases, words, terms, colloquialisms, etc., all of those kinds of things that we need to take into consideration that have an impact or an influence on how we understand what the Bible is telling us. For most of us, and I know I'm speaking primarily uh, to a Western culture, um, Americanized concept, vision, way of looking at Scripture, from a book that was written in the Middle East in a different language or different languages centuries ago. And so understanding the linguistic context and impact on a passage is extremely important. With today's computers and access to the internet, it makes it so much easier digging into what the actual language and context, and I encourage people to do that. Be a good Berean, dig into the Word, study, go deep. Uh, the tools are out there if we avail ourselves to them. So those are just two, two aspects. Two more to consider are grammatical, tense, voice, mood, person, number, subject, nouns, verbs, phrases, syntax. All of this have an impact and an influence on what the passage, what, what God intends us to understand out of the passage that we're looking at. Uh, in the Greek, there are nuances that are not in the English language. For instance, the word you, Y-O-U. In English, it's just Y-O-U, and it's applied generically. And without a visual context or some broader context in a passage that you're reading or a book that you're reading, it's hard to understand exactly who that is referring to. In Greek, Y-O-U can have gender uh, clarification. It can have number clarification. It can mean uh, a plural you or a, single, a singular you, and that's in the inherent in the way the word is uh, constructed. In English, we don't have that without the context. And so these things are important to consider also. Um, also, the social aspect. Social aspect influences the con is a contextual influence on a passage. The occupation of the family or, or uh, the occupation of the writer or the individuals that are in that particular passage, the family relationships, the community, the dynamics, uh, the status that they are in society, all of these may have an impact, a contextual impact on the passage. Now, as I go through all of these different categories, not all of them apply in every single passage, but it's important that we're aware of some of them and we begin to look for them. About the cultural context, the region that this was written in, different parts of the Bible were written in different regions, the ethnicity. Uh, was it a paternalistic community, uh, the community that was involved? Different cultural aspects, political, uh, the emperor, was there a king, a ruler, a governor, a magistrate, a tetrarch, all of those kinds of things. That's within the context. Historical, were there wars taking place, particularly in the Old Testament, plagues, famines, etc.? Um, speaking of the political aspect, in the New Testament, you have the, the Roman political influence. It's important to understand that and the dynamics, the influence, the contextual influence that it has in certain passages, what about the economic context, um, wealth, possessions, occupations, in helping us understand, understand some of the dynamics that are going on in some of the passages? Also, the religious context, Judaism, Christianity, Gnosticism, humanism, uh, paganism, uh, 
all kinds of different, you know, Greek mythology, all these different things may have an impact in a particular passage. Then comes the context of style. Now, I know a lot of this sounds like, wow, this is a lot of information fast, uh, but I don't want to make the video too long. I want you to, to stay with me here uh, throughout the length of this one, and so I'm um, trying to cover a lot of material quickly. So we have the context of style, which goes beyond the structure of the, of the language that we just talked about. So what about his, it, historical? Acts is written in a historical style of writing. First and Second Timothy and Titus is in a didactic style of writing. Philemon is personal. It's a personal letter. Uh, it's almost on an intimate friendship level. It's very different in the flavor of style when you read it versus First Timothy or the book of Acts. Romans is obviously doctrinal. Revelation is prophetic. These are styles of writing and we need to understand that as we're reading that particular book. Biographical, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they read very different than, say, the book of Acts or First and Second Timothy. So context defines the content which develops the conclusion which determines then the connection to our lives. So often I see preaching, teaching, that takes place that actually starts with the connection and works backwards. And that's not the best way to do a Bible study. So a couple of illustrations, an illustration of context. So define the word pit, P-I-T, right now in your mind. Come up with a short definition. What does it mean, P-I-T? This horse is in a pit, like a hole in the ground. That's a pit. So the horse falls in a pit. Or the horse ate a pit, like uh, a peach pit. The horse ate a pit. Same word. Context tells us it means something entirely different. The pit that the horse eats is entirely different than the pit that the horse falls in. And thirdly, pit this horse against that horse. That's a race. That's a contest entirely different. Context tells us that it's important to pay attention to context. If we're talking about God's word, it is supremely important to pay attention to the context. From the Bible, let's look at John 14, 27. Peace, the word erone in the Greek. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. Now, that's an inward peace. That's an indwelling peace. That's a, a, a comforting peace. That's a trust. That's a, a calming reassurance in that verse. In Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's like a positional peace. It's different than what Jesus is saying in 1420, John 14.27, but it's the exact same Greek word. And then look at Mark 10, 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Mark 10, 34. Now that peace is talking about a physical peace, uh, you know, from warfare, from contention, from fighting. But it's the exact same Greek word. So it's important that we pay attention. Now, it's easy to see it in these simple illustrations because the immediate context of the verse it's easy to see what the uh, meaning of the word is in that particular verse. 
Let's take a look at another one. Uh, door in the Greek is thora. Uh, Jesus says in John 10, 9, I am the door. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean a door on hinges or whatever, but the, a way of access. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, obviously, he's using that in, as an illustration, a type of an illustration. In Acts 12, 6, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Acts 12.6. Now, in this instance, the exact same English word, same Greek word as well, it's obviously talking about a literal door on the hinges, but it's the same word. And then 1 Corinthians 16.9. For a great and effective door, Thora, has opened to me, and there are many spiritual adversaries. This is a spiritual application. An opportunity is provided for ministry here. A door has been opened. But it's not the door of Acts 12.6, same Greek word, but entirely different understanding. The context tells us. Now, as we wrap this up, the text always means the same thing. What is important is for us to understand what does the text actually mean from the author. That is God himself, who is the author of his word. The meaning stays the same. The application of the text may vary. So let's consider this. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Well, that's a pretty specific instruction. It always means husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. The meaning of that never changes. It doesn't change. It stays the same. But it only applies to married men. You, you, you can teach this verse to a group of single men and they can learn the truth and understand it, but they can't apply it until they're married. So it's applicable to husbands, specifically. Others can learn it. We can observe it. We can teach it. You can teach it to men and women, and women can hear the truth of it, but they don't apply it to themselves. Men apply it to themselves. So the meaning stays the same. The application may vary. And I realize that's kind of a, it's a simple, it's clear, it's right to the point. So a few words of caution as we wrap up this episode of Rightly Dividing. Fragmented and random reading. Uh, I am all for encouraging people to get in the Word as much as possible, as often as possible. And sometimes I just open my Bible and start reading somewhere. But uh, my general pattern and discipline is to begin somewhere and flow through the passage. Usually it's the beginning of a book and reading through it. Fragmented random reading can and often does lead us to taking verses out of context. I believe oftentimes our intentions may be good, may be honest, may be sincere, um, but it, fragmented random reading is not really a, a good Bible study discipline. Imposing personal concepts and ideas. In other words, the old uh, way of approaching Bible study is, well, it means this to me. I, we want to know what it means from the author and then how it applies to me. And that's critically important in understanding God's word and applying it accurately. Chapter and verse numbers. 
Chapter and verse numbers were not a part of the original scriptures when they were written. They were written in book form, letter form. There were no numbers involved. Those were added a couple of centuries later. They are addresses of where to find things. It helps us find things in this very large book. Uh, we, we turn to 2 Timothy or we turn to uh, um, Genesis or whatever, and we need a chapter number and a verse number so we can get there quickly. And so it's convenient. But it is also detrimental in the aspect then it invites fragmenting a flow of Scripture where we take little sound bites. Uh, you know how the, the news media is very good at taking sound bites and it's called spin. And it's, it's easy to do that with Scripture, unfortunately. And we take a little sound bite called a verse and we put a spin on it rather than looking at a passage of Scripture within its context and finding out what does it mean from the author, God, what does he intend me to understand, and then how does it apply to me? So chapter and verse number. So uh, what I encourage you to do is get into get onto some Bible app, some Bible program. I like to use Bible Gateway. There's a few others. Blue Letter Bible is another one. Uh, on Bible Gateway, you can bring up uh, whatever version translation that you prefer to use, and there is a tool in there where you can take out the chapter and verse numbers. And I often do that, will do that in reading passages of Scripture. And even some of the smaller books of the Bible, the epistles, smaller epistles and things like that, I'll actually print them out. Uh, so I can take them with me different places and just read them in letter form, flow form, uh, without the fragmentation of verses and footnote numbers and all that that tend to lead us to want to chop things up. And so I encourage you to uh, give that a try as well. And then underlined and highlighted, uh, I'm sure that most of you, as I do, I have my daily Bible, my preaching Bible, my study Bible that I'm in all the time, and it is falling apart, and I have so many post-its and notes and underlining and highlighting and notes in the margins and all kinds of things in there. And what I find is oftentimes for my devotional reading, I will go to a different Bible uh, I have several of them that I do not have notation in. Some of them do not have any footnotes, study notes. They're, it's just the plain text of Scripture. And just reading from there, uh, I want to hear God's verse. And what I find in my study Bible that I'm in so often is, my preaching Bible is, oftentimes I'll turn to a passage and there's highlighting and underlining on every page. And my eyes are automatically drawn to that. And I guess my uh, inner self is saying that must be the important stuff because I underlined it or something like that. Um, and so I have found in my devotional life uh, such rich blessing in reading a Bible that has no notations in it whatsoever, um, not even a study Bible, just the, just the passage of Scripture. Uh, there are times that I'm reading reading from one of those, and I will go back to my study Bible because I want to see some footnotes or whatever, but I would encourage you to find um, a Bible or two without any kind of study guides, highlights, footnotes, any anything like that, and uh, get in get into reading a Bible without the notes. So I hope I hope that helps you um, understand and get a grasp of what uh, context is, at least on a a generic, a general overview. This really was a very quick flyover of context. I realize there's a lot of information. Maybe you want to go back through some of these slides and uh, slow them down a little bit or pause there and um, give them some thought as you're studying through your Bible and take into consideration these various different aspects of context and how they help us understand and hear God's voice clearer. So vitally important to our spiritual growth. Well, I want to thank you for joining me for this 
edition of Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. I invite you to join me again. I will be continuing my series on This Doesn't Mean That with some other verses that are taken out, uh, taken out of context. We'll be visiting some of those in weeks ahead. Also be doing some other Bible studies, topical studies, and book studies as well. If you have some Bible questions you'd like me to address or Bible passages or confusions that you uh, confusing Bible passages you'd like me to speak to, then go ahead and email those to me or put them in the comments below. You can email me at rightlydividingtheword215 at gmail.com. Uh, you'll find that in the description box as well. So like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave your comments and questions in the um, questions below, or email those to me as well. And I invite you to join me again on Rightly Dividing with Ron Anderson. Take care and God bless.